Hey there, e-commerce enthusiasts. Let me tell you about a game changer in shipping, ShipStation. It's the ultimate platform for simplifying your shipping process. With ShipStation, you can easily import, manage, and ship your orders in no time. It integrates seamlessly with your favorite e-commerce platforms and carriers, ensuring a smooth workflow. Gain valuable insights with their powerful analytics and reporting tools. Say goodbye to shipping headaches. Visit foxcitiesmm.com slash ship and level up your shipping game today. You're listening to Fox City's Murder and Mayhem, your bi-weekly dose of true crime history in a small rural community of Wisconsin. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Fox City's Murder and Mayhem. I'm Eric. I'm Gavin. Gavin, we're back after a slight delay on this recording thing. As Are we? Yeah, little vacay thing going yeah. on, you know? Oh so. yeah, that's right. Uh, I was on vacation. I completely forgot that <laughs> nice. I was. Yeah. Gavin goes on vacation when I go on vacation. That's right. Meaning he doesn't have to podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that is correct. So we're back with a new episode, which yes. is becoming quite regular. So yeah, what yeah. do you got for us today? Is I've got, gonna... well, I've got uh, I've got two uh, stories ready to go. Another one almost ready to go, and so yeah, so there might be some new ones for a little bit. Um, today we're gonna go we're gonna go to Oshkosh. Okay, kind of gonna be on an Oshkosh Green Bay. Well, this actually this is our final Oshkosh, but then we're got a Green Bay trend for a little, a little bit. bit. Um, but today we got Oshkosh. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, the first police officer killed in the line of duty in Oshkosh. Oh, I believe that you you spoiled that last episode because I recall you saying that the last episode we recorded. Well, maybe you just said you were working on an episode oh. about that. Yeah. Oh, I mean, unless we recorded this and I just don't remember. But no, I don't think, I don't we think did. you. I don't think we recorded it. I think you just mentioned that that you were working. Okay. On it, so. so we're going to talk. We're going to talk about that. Um, not a whole lot of twists and turns in this one, but, um, but yeah, it's, there's a, an interesting connection to the officer killed. So, uh, I'll leave that to, all right, we'll take her away, man. Okay. So, uh, the man that we're going to be talking about is Lewis Hardy. Uh, he was born in Germany in the 1840s. He settled in Oshkosh in the 1860s. Man, I really feel like we did record this. No, I don't think we did. Oh, I just maybe I've just been rereading this so much <laughs> while you were gone. All right. He, he settled in Wisconsin. He joined the National Guard, uh, where he served for five years. He first started off working as a shoemaker. Then he switched to be an engineer for the Oshkosh Gas Company. He was married. He had two children. He then joined the Oshkosh Police Department in the spring of 1890. At that time, the police department was very basic. Each each officer had a beat that they walked, and they carried a nightstick. Did they wear uniforms? They did. They did wear a <laughs> uniform. Yes. Um, a cop could carry a gun if they brought their own from home. <laughs> really? But they were not issued any by the department. <laughs> so they had certain. They had a beat, which is like a number of blocks that was their territory, and they walked it with their nightstick. That was that was the job in the 1890s. Sounds like more like a security guard, really. Uh, I think that's a lot of how it was. Uh, some of the smaller cities, 
like didn't even have full time like police officers. They had like night watchmen. So I think that's more or less what it was. Uh, the first time that I was able to find uh, Lewis Hardy in the news was in July 1890, so not too long after he's hired, uh, for arresting a tramp named Smith who was accused of stealing $100 from a farmer named Gruber. <laughs> the The tramp was working as a hired hand uh, and apparently walked off with $100. So... That big, was big bus there. Big, Actually, big bus. I mean, in the 1890s, that's a probably a pretty significant amount of money, right? It probably is. And one thing that you'll see in these old reports, 1890s up through maybe 1920s, there's tramps everywhere. And tramps, like, in, just if anyone doesn't understand this, tramps in this time period means like bums or hobos. Okay. Um, and all the time, like, you'll see news articles about like, roving bands of tramps coming into town that need to be like pushed out of town it's so funny because that just sounds so offensive to me now does it but 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 that's just what they wrote in the newspaper it's just what they wrote you know and and but i mean at this time they were also being vividly describing brain splattering all right. over as people were dying in right. the newspaper so very it, different time it's it's definitely they were very very insensitive to unemployed homeless people. That's mm -hmm. for sure. Um, but it is it is sort of amusing the way that they're described. Maybe I should find it offensive. I don't just because of the way they're written up, they sound more humorous a lot of the time. Because like they they describe these guys as like these sort of jolly fellows who roll in on <laughs> boxcars, and I don't know. Maybe maybe the newspaper has misled me, <laughs> but it sounds like these guys kind of wanted to be that way. <laughs> Um, anyway, so, uh, Officer Hardy's primary beat was on South Main Street. Uh, it was a rowdy part of town with saloons and drunken fights. On July 28th, 1890, so, like, not even, like, a week after this other arrest, two men were fighting in Robert Johnson's saloon at 45 Kansas Street. Concerned bar patrons flagged down Hardy who was able to break up the fight and dragged one of the men, a man named Frank Kitzinger, with the help of another bar patron, to the police station. Uh, this was apparently all done on foot. Like they were physically actually dragged to the police station. Mm -hmm. Hardy went back to the saloon to arrest the second man. People in the bar said that the man, named Hank Ripple, had been threatening them with a revolver, saying he would shoot the next man who touched him. Hardy couldn't find any gun, uh, but arrested him anyway because of his role in the fight. Ripple had a bad reputation. One news report said his history could fill volumes. Uh, I'm not sure specifically what he had done because these volumes it could fill, I could not find. So I don't know, but just a bad reputation. Not far from the saloon, Ripple reached in his pocket and pulled out a gun that had been missed in the search. It was a 32 revolver. And Ripple got off at least two shots, probably three. Hardy was shot and staggered into Fred Shield's saloon, which was next door to the first saloon. He fell face down and died in a groan. <laughs> wow. Ripple went back into Johnson's saloon. Johnson's 17-year-old daughter, Amanda, saw him reloading his revolver, so she ran upstairs frightened. Which, you know, as she should. Mm-hmm. The police were alerted and came to the scene. 
including Police Chief R.J. Weisbrod. Ripple had not gone far and was found behind the saloon. You know, I don't know why he didn't go further, because, again, this is all on foot. So I feel like <laughs> he had time. But, oh well. The chief had to hold people back with his club, as calls for a lynching were strong. A horse-drawn carriage driven by another officer arrived and brought Ripple to the police station. When asked for a statement, the chief said the newspaper was the cause of Hardy's death because they had spread stories of Hardy using his club on tramps, and this <laughs> made Hardy more hesitant to use it on Ripple. So, so let me go back, go back here. The cause, cause of his death is because the newspaper reported that he liked to beat tramps, and because of the bad publicity, he didn't beat Ripple, and because he didn't beat Ripple, that's why he got shot. shot. Yes. <laughs> so he got killed for not beating a man. <laughs> Reporters spoke to Ripple at the city jail, and he said he only shot Hardy after Hardy beat him with a club, uh, though this was contradicted by all the witnesses, that there was no beating. Ripple did have a bruise on his shoulder that he claimed was from the club, but nobody had seen that. The reporters returned to the jail later, and Ripple changed his story to say that he thought Hardy was trying to rob him and fired the gun to scare him off. There was no intention of actually hitting him. When asked about his life, Ripple said he did not know when or where he was born, but he thought he was probably about 50 years old. <laughs> He had been married twice. His first wife was named O'Brien, but she divorced him to marry a doctor in Clintonville. His second wife was named Mrs. Brennan. She lived on 50 acres of land outside of Oshkosh. Sometimes she let him stay there. But most of the time, he camped in a shanty in the woods where he made and sold axe handles. Wait, was he, is he still, was this his second ex-wife or was he still married to this I woman? I believe he was still married, married to But her. she wouldn't let him stay with him. Yeah. <laughs> he had served three years in the Civil War and after it ended, he re-enlisted for another year. He was receiving a pension for his war service of $4 a month. <laughs> I'm, I'm just surprised that back in the 1890s they had pensions. Yeah. That's impressive. He was known around town uh, because sometimes he would show up at dances and play the fiddle. <laughs> Ripple went on trial, and again, people called for a lynching uh, as he was brought between the jail and the courthouse. His defense attorney made every effort to get him released. They said Hardy had no warrant for his arrest. They said the aggressor in the original fight was Kitzinger, the other man, not Ripple. So even trying to arrest Ripple was, was not right. It, he was just the victim. They said that people who testified against Ripple were known liars. Uh, none of this worked. He was found guilty and sentenced to a pawn for life. His time inside was relatively uneventful, except on one occasion where he was using a wheelbarrow to carry a stove. At one point, he had to wheel over a plank between two windows 14 feet above the ground. I don't know what's going on here. Mm -hmm. But apparently there's like two buildings in the prison and they get from one building to the other. They put a board down <laughs> and, and they wheel across. out the window <laughs> to the other building. Sounds like a terrible yeah. idea. <laughs> but I guess. 
He somehow slipped and fell, with the wheelbarrow and the stove crashing down on top of him. Ooh. Early reports were not positive, but he did recover. Uh, He did eventually die uh, on June 5th, 1905, not because of this, but also not really that long after. This was less than 15 years that he was in prison. Um, And he was brought back to Oshkosh, where he is buried in Boyd Cemetery, if people want to go visit him. him. Yeah. (laughs) Lewis Hardy, the officer, uh, his wife passed in June of 1928, so decades later, still living in the family home on Oregon Street, a house that she had lived in for 50 years. Here's, here's the interesting connection part. Okay. Lewis Hardy's son, the officer's son, was Oscar J. Hardy. Which will probably mean nothing to anybody listening to this. It but, certainly doesn't mean anything to me. But but here's here's who he is. Uh, Oscar J. Hardy was born in Oshkosh, of course. Uh, he began working for the Daily Northwestern as a carrier when he was a boy. He became director of the news carriers. So he's like the head paper boy, I guess. <laughs> he was promoted to the business office. In 1897, he was promoted to business manager. He was next promoted to general manager in 1905, and then in 1917, he ended up inheriting the newspaper from the previous owner who passed. Apparently, the previous owner liked him so much, he left him the newspaper. So in 1917, Oscar J. Hardy becomes the owner-publisher of the Oshkosh Northwestern. Interesting. Yeah. Does the Oshkosh Northwestern still exist? It sure does. It does it? Wow. It sure does. At least it, I'm pretty sure it does. I don't know. I mean, maybe Gannett killed yeah. it. <laughs> or it's owned by Gannett now, it probably. Is, it is owned by Gannett. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's, that part I know, but I, they might have killed it. I don't know. But up until recently, at least, it did exist. He, Oscar, married uh, Gertrude Widener, who was the daughter of another newspaper publisher, Uh, They had two daughters. One of the daughters married a prominent beer manufacturer in town. So um, he ended up doing, like, really well for himself. Going from being a paper boy, he rose up in the business, (laughs) took over the entire newspaper, uh, married well. His daughter married into a a well-known brewery family in Oshkosh. So um, going from just being this lowly immigrant, you know, police officer family, you know, which I, I mean, no dis- disrespect to police officers, but like it didn't take much to get a job, a job as, as a, a police, police officer, officer back then. Back then, like it, this was not like a a highly skilled job. <laughs> you did not means. go to school for multiple years no. to learn things. No, you just kind of went in and said, yeah, here's your uniform and go to work. Pretty much. Pretty much. Okay, so one thing uh, I thought was interesting when I was kind of looking into this, I see that the Oshkosh Public Museum has a photograph of Oscar Hardy, the uh, newspaper publisher, visiting Carl Lemley in Hollywood. And Eric says, I don't know who Carl Lemley is. <laughs> uh, and, and again, listeners probably don't either. But Carl, Carl Lemley um, is the guy who started Universal Studios. Oh. And that's a whole other story but carl lemley like he started out in oshkosh he was the manager of a clothing store in oshkosh really yeah and then he moved to california and started universal studios wow so i thought this was kind of neat that like oscar hardy went to california to visit apparently his old buddy carl (laughs) and uh so that was fun so yeah all the all the great universal movies of the day 
came from a guy from Oshkosh. Hank Ripple, the the murderer, also had a son. Okay. His son was Ernest Ripple. Uh, He was born in Oshkosh and was raised as a farmer. He ended up dying in August of 1952. He was buried in the county farm in an unmarked grave, which is basically like, you know, the poor man's cemetery. He was 76 years old, divorced, and declared insane at the time of his death. Oh, wow. So uh, I just add that on there to show that uh, the two men's sons went in very different, different directions. Different directions, yes. Yeah. So my biggest question, do you know? So you said that they didn't have to carry guns at the yeah. time of this. Did do you know? Did you ever look in to see when when Oshkosh cops were started carrying guns? Like, no. Did this trigger anything, or was it just... I no no I no idea I don't I don't know that I, I that was a pretty far fetched question that I didn't think you would really know that's but a, it's maybe a, it's a good question but no I didn't do like a real look into the the police history of Oshkosh no I do not know there isn't much that happens here but it's cool because you get to kind of see I think it does a very good job of showing like like just the way people were treated and, and thought of like yeah. uh, you know the homeless community and stuff i think that's an an important thing to see just how they were kind of represented in this time yeah i found this story interesting like the 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 murder part of it is super basic yeah i mean the the guy shows up and gets shot but there there are some other things that kind of happen along the way that i think you know as as we have said many times on this podcast like we kind of use like the crime aspect to bring out the history parts and I think this was good for bringing out some of that history stuff. So yeah, and I, I just think it's really interesting. It, this and so many of the other episodes we do because they happened so long ago. Yeah, it's just like I guess I've never really thought about like in the 1800s what did a police department look like in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Yeah. I've never thought about that. But when you talk about what it was, I, I'm kind of shocked by how basic it is yeah and just it's just interesting to see how things have changed and grown you know yeah well so um so i'm gonna i'm gonna talk about kakana for a moment (laughs) (laughs) that's that's fine maybe we should just change this to kakana murder in mayhem yeah kakana murder (laughs) this is not a murder story but like so the only police department whose history i really know somewhat is kakana's and yeah, and they didn't even have a police chief until like 1920. Okay. Prior to that, they had what they called the marshal, and they had a north side watchman and a south side watchman, and they only worked at night. So during the day, I don't know what happened. I I guess if you didn't flag down the marshal, just stuff didn't get didn't done. Get done. Yeah. So. Um, and I it kind of makes you wonder, like, was there just nothing? Really, was there just, in, in a small town like Kikana, was there just zero crime that they didn't really need to worry about it's, this? It seems that way, because I, I, also later on, they stopped doing this at some point, but later on, you'll see articles in the paper where they'll be like, this is how many arrests we had this month, and it's an absolute joke. Like, sometimes it'll be like, we had five arrests this month, <laughs> three of them were for speeding. Like... You're like, really? Like, the entire month, like, the police arrested, and I'm using arrested very loosely, you know, for speeding. <laughs> yeah. But, like, five? That's it? And, and it kind of brings you to the question of, okay, now, 
have things gotten better as they've increased the police force in areas? Or does it pretty much just stay the same? I, I don't you, know. You know what? That would just be really an interesting thing to see. Like, like was murder rampant in Oshkosh in the 1800s? Or, you know, or was it pretty much what it is today? With the I don't know. You know, I mean, I again, I can tell you, Kukana. Well, and, yeah, and, but and, I, okay, Kukana, I can tell. I would say that the murder rate in Kukana has remained consistent for over a hundred years. Is it? It's yeah. just I don't so think it's gotten rare. better or worse. I think it's stayed pretty much on track the whole time. Which just kind of it brings a lot of interesting questions. To yeah, it doesn't it? Just. Yeah, but I kind of makes. But you that think. has nothing to do with the police. It's not like no, it's, it's not, not sh- like it's not like there's like a. You're like, oh, geez, we have a we have a lot of police officers in this town. I'm not going to kill anybody today. <laughs> like, no, that's, you don't think about that if you're going to kill somebody. Yeah, okay, and I guess maybe murder rate isn't the right thing to measure, but but I guess what I, I guess my point is is like the increase in the police. Yeah, has that. Was that because it was necessary, or just as time go- went by, I, did they just continue? I think if we go down this train, I'm going to get in some trouble. Yeah, I think I want to say things that are probably not politically <laughs> okay to say. Uh, I mean, you know, my my. So uh, I'm going to say this, and I'll probably get in trouble for this, but I I kind of feel like it. It's a self perpetuating thing, because here's what happens. You hire an extra officer, right? And now that you have an extra officer, you're going to arrest more people for speeding. Because you got an extra guy running radar. Mm-hmm. So naturally, he's going to pick up guys that other people didn't get. So then when you do your annual reports, you're like, look how many more speeding arrests we got this year than last year. I guess we need another <laughs> yeah, officer. officer. Yeah, I guess I could see and, that. And so, I mean, so some things, you know, aren't going to change one way or the other, like um, having more or less officers, I don't think is going to change violent crime a whole lot because, again, like I said, like if if you've got like a domestic abuse situation, that person doesn't care how many cops there are. But I think in general, you'll see the arrest rate go up when you've got more guys out there, right? Which just makes obvious sense because if there's more people patrolling the streets, I mean, let's face it, during a normal day, just about everybody speeds. I mean, yeah, maybe you're... I mean, I, I do. I don't know if everybody <laughs> yeah, does. I, I, well, a good portion, two, two of us speed at least once a day. Yes. So that means that a lot of people probably speed once a day. Okay. So so <laughs> obviously everybody that's speeding isn't getting picked up. So by adding more people. But, and I want to be very clear that we're not saying that that we should go back to having cops that just carry around Billy Oh, no, no, no. And, I was not suggesting no, that at all. I'm just... I'm just exploring the idea of, you know, have we increased police force because it was necessary or have we just increased it because we could, because the resources were there to increase it, Yeah, you know? It's, and I think that's an interesting question to ask. I don't have the numbers in front of me to back this up. This is just my personal opinion, but I, I do feel like we've reached a point where we're getting diminishing returns on adding more right. officers where where we always want to grow the police department because we all want to feel safe but i i don't think that adding more officers is making us more safe 
at this point. And 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 that obviously that's going to vary city to city. Yes, but. yes. To clarify that, that Gavin is saying that based on the areas I'm, we yeah, are I'm ba- in. I'm basing that on yeah, the Fox cities. Yeah, which, yeah, which it does has a very low crime rate. Right. So so in Baltimore, where the crime rate is much higher, it might be a good idea to add police officers. Right. But. Right. <laughs> very clear clear on that one. Yeah. So. Or or Milwaukee where, you know, they have a ridiculous amount of police officers, but despite that, <laughs> they still have a very high car theft rate. <laughs> so you know. Yes, we, we we know that firsthand, don't we? So, yeah. So yeah, I actually saw it yesterday. Well, did what did you see? I I saw a Kia <laughs> crash into a stoplight in Milwaukee. Wait, in oh, Milwaukee. when you were driving, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was in Brookfield yesterday, and I and uh, and sure enough, I was going down uh, Silver Spring, and uh, which is not Brookfield, but you know, but I was going down Silver Spring and. We get up to this corner, and we ended up getting rerouted because there's a Kia, like, up a stoplight, so they have the road blocked off. So, we should clarify this, because many people listening to this podcast probably have no idea, because I think the only reason why me and Gavin know this is because we know somebody that had their car stolen it's by this It's the main reason I know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So... If you're interested in what we're talking about, just Google the Kia boys, Milwaukee, (laughs) and you'll see footage of them. They're a group of kids in Milwaukee that just steal cars left and right. And they, my understanding is they just drive them around and destroy them. And then once they can't drive them anymore, they leave them where they, they're sitting. That is my understanding as well. So, yeah. So, yeah. Wow. Did we ever go off on a tangent on this episode? Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. We're all over the place. But that's ap- okay. We apologize. Not radar I, focused on this. I one, don't but. apologize. <laughs> so with that, I think we can wrap this episode up unless you got something else, Gavin. No, no. We're, 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 we're way, way off. off target. We got Gavin in trouble already. Not, so, not, not, in, <laughs> not in trouble. Not but, in trouble. I mean, it's just, it's, it's never. It's never really acceptable to question police policy or or police right. hiring. Like it's it, people don't like it when you do that. I, but I don't think I said anything really offensive. No, and and again, we're not saying that there shouldn't be police. That no, police I'm not aren't doing that. a good thing. We're just saying that that this brings up. I'm an glad we have the police. Point. I mean, I'm not I'm not anti cop. I'm just <laughs> saying that it's we we may have reached the point where. We're we're safe. Yeah. We're good, and and we're gonna wrap this episode up because I think we've been on a ten minute tangent. Now. Okay, so. all right, all right. <laughs> so cl- cut this whole thing off. Yeah. <laughs> so with that, we thank everybody for tuning in. We will hopefully be back next week with another episode, brand new episode. I'm sure actually that will happen. Otherwise, you'll catch a rerun, and then we'll be back with a new one. So, <laughs> thanks again, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you on the next one. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Fox City's Murder and Mayhem. Join us in two weeks for another exciting episode of Murder and Mayhem.